Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the As I See It podcast here today with another Barca-based episode, back with the match review and reaction, and back with Mr. Blaugrana TV or Nico. Nico, how you doing, my friend? Pretty good, except for how the second half went. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, I'm, I'm doing good. Good, good. Well, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Uh, many people enjoyed the chat that we had um, that was posted, I believe, yesterday. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. It's a great episode. We speak in detail about the season, um, about the Champions League, uh, not just the Napoli game, far past it as well. But um, yeah, let's let's get into this Napoli game. And I want to start where I always start in Barca base, and that is with the lineup. Okay, I'm going to read out the lineup and then we'll discuss it. So the lineup was as followed. It seemed to be a 4-3-3 formation and it was Chastegan in goal, of course. Then we had Semedo on the right, Jared Piquet and Longley partnership in defense as we expected and Jordi Alba on that left-hand side. Nothing really too different to what we'd expect there. Then the midfield was probably where we saw... Well, listen, the midfield was Sergio Roberto, Rakitic, and De Jong. You can probably tell why I'm slightly annoyed about that midfield, but we'll get into it. Uh, then Messi, Suarez, and Antoine Griezmann up front. Now, Nico, what, what were your initial thoughts on this lineup? Honestly, not surprised at all, if I'm being honest. Uh, I already knew that Setien was going to be a coward and go with the regular option of Messi, Griezmann, and Suarez up front. Uh, and with De Jong, Rakitic, and Roberto in the midfield. And as I said, I've, I've been expecting this for days, but I was still holding out a little bit of hope that he would start Pooch and Ansu Fati, considering that he didn't even let them go play and help out Barca B when they were on their quest to returning to the Segunda division. And he didn't even give them a single minute, which really just goes to show his character. Oh, I mean, I am so, so frustrated by this. I mean, like you said, the fact that they didn't even get to go and, you know, what, that really could have been the difference. Let's not let's not lie. It was a narrow uh, loss that they suffered in the final game, which didn't grant them promotion. If 100%. Ricky, if Ricky Puig and, and Ansu Fati were there, you know, they very, very, very well may have actually got got the promotion. So a, a lot of Barca fans will be angry about this. I definitely am. Uh, the Listen, Ansu Fati starting, I definitely didn't see um, as something that would happen knowing Setien. However, I'm slightly shocked. Maybe not shocked. I'm slightly surprised by Ricky Puig not getting in there. I don't know what he's done to not deserve starting. I mean, he has been better than the three that we have in midfield there. He is player for player. He has played better in the times that he has played than the midfield three there. I don't understand it. 100% I agree. I mean, he, he has been one of our most standout players since the since returning from the break. He's made the difference. He, he's been a fantastic box-to-box midfielder doing everything he possibly can for the team. And I guess it just wasn't enough for us at the end, which is a disappointment. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, in case you hadn't seen the game, was actually the scoreline. 3-1 uh, to Barcelona. You might be thinking, why are we so annoyed? Well, we are going to get into it. That left it 4-2 on aggregate. On aggregate, um, Napoli getting that away goal, but it wasn't enough as we managed to outscore them throughout the game. So, yeah, the lineup left a lot to be desired. Um, it was interesting to see 
Roberto start in that midfield. Um, it's I love how versatile he is, but I think for his player development and growth, it's better to have more of a defined position for him. I think over time we'll see that there needs to be more clarity over that. That's just my opinion, although it's brilliant having someone as diverse and you know as as he is. Uh, Rakitic. It's amazing to me. Listen, Busquets out and Vidal out for this game, yet we still are not trusting De Jong in that single pivot? What? Why? We're putting Rakitic ahead of him. It, it was insane. I really thought that this would be De Jong's chance to shine. And of course, Setien goes with another stupid decision that plays players out of their preferred position. I mean, it's something we've seen time and time again, and it's really starting to get me get me riled up about Setien. So let's get straight into the game. Um, and one minute, 30 seconds in, and already we look like we may be conceding. Uh, the ball ricocheting off PK and uh, runs straight into the path of Dries Mertens, who fortunately for us missed kicks the shot and it ends up actually hitting the uh, the left post it looked like he was actually trying to just rifle that into the top right hand corner but he does not get the connection that he would have desired and luckily for us we we could have been in a lot of trouble very early on but it hits the post and we survive what were your thoughts when you saw that uh, my heart honestly sank. Like, I mean, I didn't expect Napoli to come out that hard and that quickly. They nearly scored Dries Mertens only just a couple minutes into the game. And that really could have changed the game's mentality for Barca completely. I mean, it, it, Napoli really, in my opinion, definitely would have won the game if they had scored that. Yeah, listen, this this has happened far too many times. We do not come out quick enough. We don't get into a rhythm fast enough, not just in the first half, but the second. And we'll get into that that's dreadful second half soon. But yeah, listen, this is the ch- this is the second leg of the round of... No, sorry, the quarterfinals of the Champions League, the biggest cup competition. And we're coming out like that. It's not good enough. We need to be ready from the first whistle and we're continuously not... Um, it drives me insane. And from very early on, there wasn't enough pressing. Um, you know, we were giving Napoli far too much uh, time on the ball. We weren't pressing them enough. And we were far too pedestrian in our play. You know, we needed to circulate that ball far quicker than we were. And that's what you miss when you don't have Ricky Puic in that midfield. He drags the team to quicker football. And yeah, that's something that we lacked right from the word go. What were your thoughts on this? Honestly, yeah, the, the mentality at the beginning of the game wasn't what I thought it would be. I mean, the reports in the media once again disappointing me, saying that Setien was going to go out with an all-out attacking mentality right from the get-go, and that wasn't even close to what we saw. In fact, it was more true for the oppositions. And if we come out like that in our next match against Bayern, we're, we're going to get demolished. We're going to get absolutely wrecked. 100%. And listen... It's the same thing we did against Liverpool. It's the same thing we've done against Roma. And it's the same thing that we continue to do and just manage to survive time and time again. We have to stop, you know, we have to stop lying on our our laurels and and actually take the game to the opponent. What, What do we have to do to learn from this? Do we have to lose another horrendous defeat, which could be at the hands of Bayern for us to wake up finally? Who who is this down to? Is it the players? Is it the manager? What it, what is happening for this to continue to be allowed to happen? 
Yeah, I know. I, I honestly don't know what it is at this point, but I said before that I back Setien for the next upcoming season, but at this point, I honestly don't know. Uh, it seems as though our assistant coach has shown more passion for the club to win and more desire to succeed. As we've seen on the touchline, Setien does nothing, does nothing. And then we have Eder Sarabi, our assistant coach, who genuinely looks like a motivator. And yep. I don't know what will smack this team into shape, but it's definitely not going to be Setien as our manager. And I don't know what Barca should do about that. By the way, Edis Sarabia being a motivator, but when he's too much of the moti- of a motivator, he gets in trouble. It's ridiculous. Allow yeah, the man honestly, to swear at the players. Honestly. Goodness gracious. What a disaster. It really just shows how spoiled the players are with that. Oh, I mean, get a grip. Uh, seriously, get a grip. Allow the man to swear. Listen, he wouldn't have to swear if we followed... I mean, oh, listen, it, we're capitulating before our eyes. I'm, I'm so... So sick and tired of seeing the same thing. And it's like no one is taking taking the blame for it. Nothing is changing. We're seeing the same patterns time and time again. And while there's such an inconsistency in the good patterns, we're seeing such a frequency in the bad patterns. Yeah, 100%. And Napoli came into this game looking far hungrier, as we said, in the early stages of the game. But luckily, time and time again, we see this happen early, Long lay in the ninth minute. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And listen, this is an unlikely goal from a corner, would you believe? Um, <laughs> we don't score from a corner often. But listen, <laughs> it seemed like the only way we could score because it wasn't, it wasn't going to be through our slow pedestrian-like play. Um, instead, big long lay. It's bad defending, bad marking really by Napoli. You'd expect better from them. But perhaps they were in fact caught out early on in the game. And uh, one of Barca's standout players this season gets himself a well-earned goal on a personal note. I mean, listen, he has been incredible throughout the whole season. One of my favorite players this season has been Clement Longley. And uh, I'm very happy that he managed to pop up with a goal in the ninth minute. That really helped settle us a bit. And from there, we tried and we started to get into a rhythm. But it really shouldn't be taking a goal for us to do that. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I, I saw as soon as they scored the goal, it felt like a weight had been lifted had been lifted off their back. It felt like they had momentum. It felt like they had energy. And then they went out and they scored, uh, I believe, 13 minutes later, a beautiful, messy goal. And it really just shows that mentality is what this team is lacking to succeed at a top, top level. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we're not... Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a, a strong enough grip by the management to really drill in what they are wanting uh, from the players. It seems like they tell them what to do. The players deviate from that and there's no punishment for that deviation. At least that's what it looks like from the outset, uh, from the out, uh, well, from where we are, you know. But um, yeah, after that goal, it, it helps settle things down. And, um, you know... <sighs> One thing that Rakitic was known for in the Barcelona midfield, this is something I want to touch touch on, was his ability to strike a ball and pop up with a goal. Now, this seems like something that is so distant from his game now. He hasn't <laughs> struck a ball for quite a while in, in, a, in a fashion consistently where I thought he could actually score. A lot of his shots um, are going wayward and uh, he doesn't seem to be taking them at the right moments either. I'm not sure what's happened. It looks like his ability to to shoot and pop up with a goal has drastically declined. Have you any thoughts on this? 
Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it, uh, it has been, it has been fairly inconsistent. But every time that we hate on him, he always pops up with uh, a goal. Yeah, this is true. I mean, that like that stunner against Tottenham. Um, I still remember that, but listen, he needs to, if he's going to be taking these long shots, please make sure they at least go somewhere near the target um, in, on a consistent basis. But uh, one player I wanted to pick out who actually played well early on was Semedo. Uh, he was quite um, clinical in his passing, which was nice to see, something that often he does get criticized for. I felt like he actually yeah. started the game relatively well. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, he was undoubtedly one of our best players today. And I mean, it came as quite a shock to me because I had been saying that for quite some time, he's been lacking ever since coming back from the break, especially in forward chance creating and moving the ball forward and crossing it in and all this sort of stuff. He really showed um, that he is capable of doing that today. And also his athleticism is definitely worth noting. And he showed why he is one of the best at what he does today. Oh, I mean, listen, he is such an engine. He just does not get tired. His fitness levels have not dropped one bit uh, since the um, the restart in terms of being able to just continue running throughout the game. Uh, it's it's really, really impressive, to be honest. And and that that is what makes him such a mobile right back. And to be fair, I'm sure one that a few clubs will have their eyes on, but we'll, we'll, we'll yet see if anything develops from that. But um, Barcelona managed to gain control of the game after that goal and uh, we started trying to settle into a rhythm something we should have done from the start but uh, we did finally get into a bit of a rhythm and managed to gain a little bit of momentum listen it's it's really important that we don't drop off we need to go for another goal we can't just sit back and wait for an invite pressure essentially and in the end we actually did and oh my goodness when Messi turns it on he doesn't just turn it on. He burns people with the... This man, honestly, 22 minutes in and Messi goes on one, in, one of his signature darting runs from that right-hand side, getting the beating of two players. Really creative play there from Messi. The ball glued to his feet as ever. Then he goes down, gets back up and somehow manages to find an angle and some space for a powerful shot. Um, and in the end, Ospina could not save it. What a goal that was from Messi. Yeah, it, it was It was honestly breathtaking. I mean, the fact that he could go through about four players and take a shot like that while falling to the ground and still managing to score against a pretty decent keeper, mind you, it just really goes to show how good Messi really is. And although he's the best player of all time, still manages to somehow be underrated by many. Uh, he absolutely does, and um, we will continue to touch on him because he was one of the most influential players, if not, I dare say, the only influential player, but that might be slightly harsh. Uh, he definitely uh, put his put his uh, print on the game, and it wasn't long before Messi added a third. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. Uh, it was a brilliant goal that was then ruled as a handball by VAR. I was struggling to see the hand uh, touching the ball. It looked slightly dodgy, if I have to be honest. I saw multiple replays and, I mean, it's just so minimal if it's anything. I really, really can't see it. Uh, and, listen, in that situation, Messi was in there. I just don't see he could have actually touched that ball with his hand, but he was. 
Uh, I don't see how, I mean, literally, there's zero chance of him bringing and controlling that ball down with his chest if that's given as a handball. Um, I find it slightly ridiculous. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, so I, I watched the replay quite a few times, as many times as they showed it, and I failed to see the handball as well. I mean, it was pretty surprising that the commentators that I was listening to were pretty confident that it was, but I, it, it's pretty funny to think about because I recall... I think Karim Benzema scored in that exact fashion against, I believe it was Real Sociedad, when he chested the ball down, it hit his arm and scored, and the referee still counted it. So it goes to show. I mean, this is the inconsistencies with VAR. And yeah. as we continue to talk about the game, we'll come across even more uh, instances of this. But yeah, it's so inconsistent. I don't understand why the referee can't go and take a look at it himself. I'd much prefer if all the decisions were coming from one figure being the referee so he can go and have a look on the screen. Have a, I mean, I, I watched all the replays as well and I just failed to see the handball. I think this is more of an issue with the actual handball rule, perhaps, than it is the referee or the, the, the VAR referees. Uh, if it touches any part of the hand, it is given as a handball. As I said, and as you said, we couldn't see the handball. But, uh, I mean, it just seemed extremely, extremely, extremely harsh. But the game game moved on, um, and we were 2-0 up at the time. And before, before long, Messi again causing havoc by winning the ball from Koulibaly in the box. And then Koulibaly just far too slow to get rid of the ball, unlike him, really. Um, such a sought-after centre-back. He then goes to kick what he thinks is the ball, but because Messi is too quick to it, he actually ends up missing the ball and kicking Messi's leg extremely hard, which caused Messi some pain. And the amount of time it took to give this clear penalty is another joke from VAR. Apparently, the, the, the VAR referees didn't trust their judgment, so got the referee to go and take a look at himself. Now, this is the inconsistency again. Why did the referee not go and have a look at the messy handball, but he goes and have has a look if this is a penalty? Do you have an, any explanation for this? No, I mean, as you said, it's, it's it shows how incredibly inconsistent VAR is. And to think that a couple of years ago, we thought that it would come in and change and help football for the better so we could prevent a referee mistakes like this ever happening again. But it just makes it so much harder to watch because it seems to be making it worse somehow. And listen, we we understand this is the first year of it. It's the first kind of official rollout and trial period for it. But, you know, big things are at, at, at play here. You know, this is, this is the second leg of a quarterfinal in the Champions League. And to have such inconsistencies at this, like at this level, it is... I don't think it's good enough. It should have been tried and tested somehow. Um, and for me, you know, it should be at a better level having so much time in the season to to, to have tried it. But uh, yeah, it was the way it was. Finally, VAR, or I should say the referee deciding it was a penalty. I mean, it was so obvious, but it was a penalty. And uh, Messi at the time was too too hurt by the challenge to uh, to take the penalty. So therefore, Suarez stepped up and 
calmly and coolly dispatched the penalty. It wasn't the best of penalties. It was, wasn't was really in the corner, but he did enough to deceive the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper going the wrong way. That made it 3-0. Yeah, no, uh, Suarez, Suarez did well with the penalty, but apart from that, he really had nothing else to add to the match. Yeah, he was very non-existent. Um, there was one instant in the first half where he he did a nice, uh, we've seen it many times, the ball comes in from Jordi Alba, drilled in from that left-hand side. He does a nice feint, looks like he's going to hit the ball, but he doesn't and leaves it for Messi. And uh, Messi got the shot, but it got blocked. I think that was slightly before this, but um, it's just the, the awareness he has of where Messi is at all times on the pitch is something that has helped him succeed at Barcelona for sure. Uh, but unfortunately, in this game, there was not enough instances of the Suarez that we once knew. Another thing I wanted to talk about from this uh, penalty that was converted and the, the penalty that was given is where was the yellow card for Koulibaly? That is a clear yellow card. If you're going to give a penalty and it was a clear kick from Koulibaly, where is the yellow card? I honestly feel as though the referee didn't hand out the yellow card to the Napoli player because it wasn't an intentional foul. Although I don't agree with that, I think it should have been given. I think he should have been given the yellow card because it was a clear penalty, as you said. But I think due to the fact that it wasn't intentional, that's why he didn't give the yellow. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he didn't give it because it wasn't intentional. But, I mean, listen, whether it's intentional or not doesn't matter. If it's a penalty, yeah, no, it's I a penalty. Agree. I agree. Yeah. That's, that's just how and I feel the ref saw it. A hundred percent. I agree. I think the ref saw it like that, but it's not really good enough. Listen, I could, you know, accidentally kick someone in the head in the penalty box. It's still going to be a penalty and probably a sending off for me. You know what I'm saying? So, But uh, this was a period where Barcelona were dominating. For me, they had a good 20 to 25 minute period where they were playing some good football, something that we want to see for longer than 20 to 25 minutes. But throughout this time where we managed to get all our goals of the game, we were playing some good football and not allowing Napoli to uh, to really get anywhere near our goal, apart from a couple instances on the counter-attack. But that comes with the, the high line uh, of defence and that, that way of football that we play. But yeah, what were your thoughts on this 20 to 25 minute period where we were just playing some brilliant football? Honestly, it was one of the most um, hopeful periods of the entire season. Like it really gave me belief that if we continue to play as we did, we might be able to defeat Bayern in Lisbon. But as we saw after the first half completed, uh, it just faded away. It, it, it was like it never happened. And the players went back to being how they did and playing how they did for the remainder of the season, for the rest of the season. Yep, and just before the first half wrapped up, there was yet more drama as yep. Napoli were awarded a penalty, a very clumsy challenge inside the box by none other than Mr. Clumsy, Ivan Rakitic. Um, listen, they were looking for the penalty, it's for sure, but to come in in that manner, Ivan Rakitic, he just misjudged it a little and uh, a penalty was given. I think it was the right decision. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no, I completely agree that it was the right decision, but it, it really boggles my mind that the ref didn't even have to take a second to look at VAR when the Koulibaly challenge on Messi seems like he took about five minutes. Yeah, 
uh, yet again, another example of inconsistency within VAR. I completely agree with you. Um, and uh, it was Insigne who took the penalty. So We thought he may be a, d- a doubt for the game. In fact, he did start and stepped up and scored the penalty, making it 3-1. Another not great penalty, but puts to stake in the wrong way, so it doesn't really matter. That made it 3-1 and 4-2 on aggregate. How were you, what, were your, what were you feeling when that goal went in? Uh, I was honestly uh, more... Uh, I, was, I wasn't expecting to, Ter Stegen to save it. He is one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world, but he hasn't always been known to save penalties. He hasn't had a tendency to save penalties. Um, I was surprised, however, that Insigne started the match. I recall seeing on Napoli's Twitter when they released the lineup that Insigne was starting. I was quite shocked. I was expecting him to start on the bench. Uh, actually, I, before a couple of days ago, I wasn't even expecting him to be on the bench at all as they made the injury seem to be semi-serious, like he'd be out for a few weeks, but I guess that wasn't the case. Yeah, me too. I, I thought he was going to be a bigger doubt for the game, but uh, to get the start, I think it just shows how much how much Napoli wanted to go go and win this game, really, and that's that's what they did. They really tried and, and really... Th- threw everything at it for sure um, and at times they were certainly slightly unlucky but that concluded an action-packed first half and it really was drama at both sides both ends two penalties given a goal disallowed multiple inconsistencies with VAR and four goals in that first half what did you make of the first half uh, overall first half really um really impressed me with Barca's final product, uh, quite the opposite with Napoli. I thought that there was quite a few chances that they should have slotted home, including the Mertens shot in the first couple of minutes that really would have changed the entire dynamic and mentality for the rest of the game for both sides. But it, it really it, it really gave me hope for the rest of the tournament that Barca could go on and do something unexpected and shock the entire football world. But as we are about to get on to, that wasn't the case. It was not the case at all. Yeah, for me, uh, for the most half, uh, for the most part, sorry, I was happy with the first half. As I said, I think it can be boiled down to 20 to 25 minutes when we really yeah. had domination of that first half. Uh, as I said, we started the game far too slow for my liking, um, but managed to get that early goal, which definitely helped. But as you said, listen, Napoli had opportunities, and I continue to say this, we're giving their opponents far too much, too many opportunities. If Even if it's against weak opponents in La Liga, we're still giving them many opportunities. Does this worry you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Bayern won't be as bad at finishing as Napoli was today. I mean, for crying out loud, they have Lewandowski, who I believe has about 13 goals in the Champions League this season, which is oh. insane, considering there's still three more games left to go, and it's not even the traditional Champions League format. He scored twice today and assisted twice against Chelsea, and Bayern just overall have the best attack by far this year, with Lewandowski, Muller, who got 21 assists this year in the Bundesliga, I believe, uh, uh, Ivan Perisic, Serge Gnabry, and quite a few more. They're they're just phenomenal, phenomenal in the attack. And Barca will be severely punished if we don't improve upon some aspects of our defense. We will be severely punished. Bayern Munich are the complete outfit at the moment. They are incredible. If we beat Bayern, 
I'd imagine we'd be playing uh, Manchester City in that final as they play Leon. Uh, they look brilliant final. against. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, they looked brilliant against Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, so they are looking like a very good team. Sorry, I get ahead of myself. I feel like we're further <laughs> in the competition than we are. <laughs> I guess it's just uh, wishful thinking. But yes, as you say, yeah. uh, we could potentially play Manchester City in that semi final. And they are also looking brilliant. But Bayern Munich, listen, if you give Napoli on today's game five opportunities, half chances and chances, they'll maybe score two, three of them. If you give Bayern five chances, they'll score four or five of them. Yeah. Make no mistake about that. With Lewandowski up front, the talent that they have, the clinical nature of Lewandowski is at another level. We are really going to be punished if we don't fix up this this defense. What do you think the solution for it is? Yeah, honestly, with, with the amount of possession and accurate passes completed and the amount of shots and chances that Napoli had Bayern with the same or even less will do a number to us to improve our defense you really have to uh, improve upon their unity and solidarity as uh, a team as a group of individuals Uh, I was impressed with Jordi Alba and Semedo today Uh, however it was for more attacking purposes more athleticism uh, Lenglet played all right. Piquet, not terrible, but not good as well, nearly costing us the first goal as he practically handed uh, Dries Mertens the ball when uh, the Belgian had the chance to score in the first couple of minutes. And if we don't improve them as a unit, um, then we won't be able to improve at all. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm going to touch on PK. I have a few things to say about uh, today's game from, from him uh, a little bit later. But just before we delve into this second half, I just wanted to say a player that was so non-existent was Griezmann yet again. Yeah. I mean, oh, I barely remember him having... Any, he's playing far too deep, I think. He's playing far, yeah. far, far too deep. And I think it's because he's allowing Suarez to be that focal point of the attack. But the problem with Suarez is as time goes on, as he grows older in age, he is making less and less of those runs. Instead, he's being almost like a backboard to the defense, which he is pushing up against the defense, making his presence known. But it means that no runs are being made because Griezmann's playing far behind him and Messi is too. So what happens when Suarez holds up the ball? We're having no people overlapping unless it is Semedo and Jordi Alba, as you said, very impressed impressed with their their athletic Oh goodness, can't say it. <laughs> very imp- impressed with their uh, attacking prowess in that game. So this this is something we need to fix. The lack of runs is not good enough and it is not going to aid us in the attack, but Listen, that's enough for the first half. Let's delve into this second half now. Second half syndrome yet again. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Barca's mentality completely switched around when it came to the second 45 minutes of the match. And if we continue to do this, if we continue to play like this for seasons to come, we will really see a drop of form. And it really... It really makes a bigger impact in the Champions League as we've seen against Liverpool and against Roma and against several other teams that our mentality just 
switches around completely when we face um sorry when we return from the halftime break yeah i think the players are stuck in these in these ways of playing and they don't have enough authority above them to train them out of it and to demand something different they are really stuck in this way of playing that's passive that's pedestrian like that's just submissive i mean it's not good enough napoli came out far 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 more up for it than we did we were relying on the fact that we were 3-1 up should never do that as a barcelona side we should yeah. know we should know well enough after some of the defeats that we've that we've had in the Champions League, especially. Um, and we need to sharpen up and gain control of the game from that first whistle in the second half. Just like the first half, we started by inviting pressure onto uh, unstable defence. Uh, and talking about the defence, I wanted to touch on PK. There were a couple times in the game where he he's putting the tackle in too early and what he's doing is he's missing the ball and then taking himself out of the game because of it. And that is allowing a lot of space, even more space to open up behind him and allows the opposition to drive into that space. Then we essentially have one defender, one defender in long lay who hasn't rushed into the challenge. PK's out of the game. He's too slow to get back. Jordi Alba and Semedo are up at the other end. Yeah. So we literally have a defense of long lay and Ter Stegen. Yeah. Now, you tell me how well that defense is going to fare against a team like Bayern Munich. This is very dangerous. I mean, as we've seen, Pique's biggest problems in recent seasons have been his lack of speed, his lack of good defensive positioning and his lack of good defensive timing I mean he's really caused many goals with the amount of times he's ran up the pitch acting like a striker when it wasn't needed only for the team to produce excellent counter-attacking football just for Lenglet to be the only defender back and the problem is we don't have we don't have that speedy attack anymore. We, we don't have enough players that are able to join in that attack. It's not like we can get away with this because before when we had MSN, it was a few years ago, Neymar had the pace, Messi had the pace. They, all three of them knew their role to the T and they were able to execute counter-attacking football. However, we don't have that speedy attack anymore. It very rarely happens that we score a goal on a counter-attack opportunity. Um, and there was such a lack of consistency in our play. It was too sloppy in many occasions. Yeah. And what we seem to be doing is just trying to survive this dicey period until the opposition tires a little bit. And then we try and regain um, you know, stability. But this is a very dicey game. Waiting for the opponent to tie up, to tire out by just inviting all the pressure onto us is so, yeah. so worrying to see. And like you said, uh, our, our attack has been missing the speed, the real unpredictability with movement, the counter-attacking energy for years, which is why I think players like Dembele, players like Malcolm, players like Ansu Fati would be so fundamental to the attack and could really change it around. I seriously don't understand why Suarez is starting anymore. I'm really starting to doubt whether Griezmann should or not. And I I seriously, I and I'm not sure at this moment whether we should risk Dembele against Bayern or not, but it's starting to seem like more of a possibility to me. Listen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's been one game this season where Suarez and Griezmann have worked together in the attack. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Why are we starting them? We should, yeah. yeah, exactly. It really doesn't make sense. I mean, it only happens occasionally when things just click. And you, you can't have that in the most important game of the season coming up against Bayern. We need Ansu Fati to play. We need him to play. And unless Dembele is 110% sure that he can play, we need to play Griezmann at striker and just hope it works. Because I would 100% rather have Griezmann as the nine rather than Suarez. Yeah, listen, for me, we need to give clear instruction to Griezmann if he is going to play that role as a sole striker. Do not come back. Stay forward. As soon as you come back and get dragged into that almost whirlwind of a midfield where all the congestion is, you're taken out of the game. Yeah. completely. We need you to stay forward. That is what was so successful with him in France. He was making the runs that Suarez isn't making right now in that French national side. He's the one breaking through the defense with his runs. And we're not seeing that in this Barcelona side. And I think it's partly because he's being asked to play something so alien to him that it's just not working. Suarez was very sloppy in this game. Rakitic too at times. Some easy passes not arriving at their destination. I'm confused. These are five-yard passes. You're meant to yeah. be world-class players. Yeah, it really, it really is disappointing from our midfield and from our attack today. And our brand of football right now is so slow; it's unbelievable. Yeah. Sixty-five minutes in, and we're crying out for Ricky Puig, crying yeah. out for him. Literally, yeah. a bit of injection of creativity in that midfield, a bit of injection of urgency in that midfield, a bit of. A bit of injection of dynamic football. Listen, Setien needs to make a change. 65 minutes in, we've got every Napoli player thinking that they can score a goal against us, essentially. That we're inviting all this pressure. And Setien needs to be alert to this. It doesn't surprise me that he's not. But wake up. This is exactly what we got angry at Valverde for doing. Not being bold enough in his decision-making and letting the game run out without making an impact of it. It seems that we have zero plan B. Zero plan B. And there isn't really much to say about the second half as nothing really occurred. Um, As as literally there were no goals, no... um, chances where I could see a goal happening for either side as I knew they would be squandered. But the only thing I could say was I I was incredibly disappointed with Seth Yen. I mean, by the 79th minute, Napoli had already made five substitutions, three of which were clinical forwards in Milik, Lozano, and Politano. But it took Seth Yen until the 84th minute to make a substitution. And I was praying praying that it would be Ricky Puch or at least Ansu Fati. And it wasn't terrible, but it was Manchu in for Griezmann. Griezmann should have been subbed off at halftime for Ansu Fati. Let's clear that out of the way. I'm happy that Manchu got his, got his game time, but it 100% should have been Ricky Puch. Then it took him another eight minutes to make his second and final substitution of the game, in which he subbed in Junior Furpo for Luis Suarez leaving Lionel Messi, the only attacker left, uh, who was slightly injured from the first half, as just completely alone up top. And Junior Firpo, out of all players, why? Why him? After such a poor run of form this season, he decides to sub in Junior Firpo and a player who just made his debut with Barca, rather than two players who really made a mark on the club this season and really showed how 
fundamental they are to the squad, Enrique Puch and Ansu Fati, but they didn't get a single minute from 100 minutes of game time after Setien told them they couldn't go and help out Barca B in their chase for promotion as he feared that they could get injured for the Champions League. For what? For what? Barca B didn't get promoted and um, they didn't play a single minute. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Couldn't agree more with what you've just said. And, I mean, where where was, first of all, where was Junior Firpo asked to play, by the way? Was it less? Was it left mid? I, I like, honestly don't know, but I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure by the end of the game, uh, Setien, sorry, I, I almost said Valverde because it seems like we've been playing with under him. <laughs> uh, it seems like he switched to a... 6-2-1, whatever formation that was, it was, just, <laughs> it was just disgraceful. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. I'm laughing about it, but it's actually not funny because I don't even think Setien knew what formation he was playing at the end. Honestly. I, I actually, I rarely actually see a set formation whenever we play. I'm seeing Honestly. players bunched up together, four, five of them at a time. The midfield is congested. What is happening? At one point, I saw Messi... Sorry, I saw Suarez playing on the right wing, Griezmann playing literally two meters behind him, and then Messi playing as a striker. What the hell is that? And and when you said, yeah, listen, we're jumping a little ahead, but when Junior Firpo came on uh, in the, what was it, the 92nd minute, um, we had zero attackers. And, and I say that with confidence because Messi was playing a midfield role. Messi was playing a midfield role. We had zero attackers. We had... Manchu was the furthest forward player. Yeah. A guy who, mind you, had a fantastic season with Barca B. But Setien decides that his first match should be in the most important one of the season. And to play as a striker. I mean, give me a rest. Yeah. Goodness gracious. It's an absolute joke. Like you said, Griezmann should have gone off far before. Suarez probably two. But then it's like, who do you put on for them? Ansu Fati should have come on. At least have something that we can do on the counter-attack. Do you know what I mean? As soon as we get the ball up past the halfway line, we're just bringing it back because there's no one up Honestly. there. There's no one up there. And I mean, what's <sighs> the point of starting Suarez when he literally runs two meters per hour i i think araujo could have done better at striker than he did or pk since he seems to love that striker role honestly. i swear pk is a, a reincarnated striker honestly <laughs> i mean the thing is the, the worry for me on a very serious note is that we very very rarely if ever dictate games anymore we may even go on to win this champions league but we are far off. For the majority of the match against Napoli, they had far more possession than us. They had far more accurate passes than us. They they had far more touches on the ball than us. And it was it was it was disaster. Like I can't even remember the time a time when a team finished the match with more possession than Barca. Like that's honestly unheard of. In the end, Barca managed to get fifty-one percent, which I don't know how that happened, but I guess it has to do with the fact that they basically passed it around in the second half with absolutely no aim to move it forward. But what's the difference from the rest of the games of this season? Yeah, and uh, listen, this is the, uh, another problem is that, as I said, we very rarely dictate these games anymore. It, and I say very rarely, really, if ever, actually control a game from start to finish, dictating the outcome of it and having complete confidence that we will win. Our, our, our play is 
passive. Our passes are constantly sideways or backwards. No intentiveness from the pass. That's why Ricky Puich is important because his passes hold intent. Um, and, and, you know, we may go on to win this Champions League, but we are far far from the team that we once were. And more importantly, we're far from being a team that can actually compete at this level, like seriously, seriously compete. Um, We're we're constantly just doing enough. You know, we have all these big players, but we don't actually seem to be building a team with them. We're merely putting them into positions and saying, go on, play. You're worth 120 million. You're worth yeah. whatever. You know, what people may think I'm being harsh here. Let me address this. People may think I'm being harsh because we just won 3-1 against Napoli, a really important game. And listen, whilst I'm happy that we have beaten Napoli and beaten them, you know, 3-1 sounds flattering. 3-1's a flattering scoreline. Everybody thinks I may be being harsh now. But if we go on like this, Okay, and everyone thinks that we're winning and it's fine. And then we suffer a big defeat, such as the Liverpool result. And people don't seem to see that that, that there's been so many warning signs to something like that. And these are the warning signs. And if they are allowed to be ignored constantly with no real plan to fix them, we are going to be in big trouble. And we're going to continue decreasing as a club at the top level. Slowly but surely, we will. And I'm not saying we'll go down to be some like an AC Milan or whatever. With the infrastructure and power that Barcelona hold, that's unlikely. But gradually, we will continue to go and drop in standard unless these things are sorted. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And as as we've seen from Bayern, I don't think they have lost a match in, I believe, the last 23 games. 23 games. Barca are far less prepared and far less ready than Bayern are for this next game. I mean, if we can, if we can see it, four goals to Liverpool with this exact same team um, and and even worse uh, with with a worse midfield when they only had when they didn't even have Salah they didn't even have Firmino imagine what Lewandowski will do to us imagine what Nabry will do to us imagine what Muller will do to us uh, honestly I'm I'm actually scared I mean our oh. If if we don't figure out and reconfigure this defensive system that we have, and if we continue to play that high line that we have with the pace that Nabry has, with the pace that someone like Kingsley Coman has, and the absolute predator in the box of Lewandowski, we are going to be exploited. I don't know how we're going to play it, because if yeah. we want Semedo and, and, and Jordi Alba to be the aggressive forward players constantly up that end, creating chances... I don't care how Sema- how fast Semedo is or how fast Jordi Alba is, they're not going to be back in time to cover all of these runs. Yeah. Yeah, Bayern, Bayern's attacking prowess is, is absolutely unbelievable this season. The, the, the second half was atrocious. I think there was uh, some nice passage of play in and around the 75th minute, but that was about it. Setien, cautious display again, Lack of substitutions when we were... I mean, listen, it doesn't take a football genius to see that we need to make some changes. For me, if Milik, if Milik started that game for Napoli, we may be out of the Champions League right now. I was actually quite surprised when I when I saw that he wasn't starting. I mean, he he was their top goal scorer in Serie A. I'm not sure if it had to do with injury problems 
or just because they didn't believe in him for some reason. But he, I believe he ha- he had the most goals for them in City A. Yeah, I mean, he looked, as soon as he came on, he scored a goal, but it was ruled offside, and it was definitely yeah. offside. But uh, yeah, every time he got hold of the ball, it made me very nervous, you know. And for me, this whole game can be can we be put down from a Barcelona perspective to a good 20-minute period where we managed to to, to nullify the game and, and do enough to win it. In that 20 to 25-minute period, it's where we scored all of our goals, uh, minus the long lay, because that came from you know an unusual corner. But the rest of the game, we haven't been anywhere near the standard that we need to be. And I'm worried for Bayern. And I just, I, I keep getting this, this sense of hope. And it's like, it's based on what is it based on? It's not based on the team performances. It it's might be based on time. For the club. Yeah, I mean, we we the Champions League just gets just gets us all hyped up and gives us hope and belief that a miracle can happen. Because if anything's known for miracles, it's the Champions League, as we've seen. Three of the teams in the quarterfinals are Leon, Leipzig, and Atalanta. That that can only happen in a competition like this, and it really gives us hope. But then we go out and put out a performance like this against the seventh best team in Napoli. I mean, the seventh best team in Serie A, sorry. Yeah, no, listen, it, it really worries me. And that's really it from the whole game. I mean, as as we both are saying, we're, we're very disappointed because although it's a 3-1 victory, the performance says otherwise. For me, like, it's just, it's enough. Like, I'm so fed up of seeing this exact same thing happen time and time again. I think it comes down to, I think a big factor is a lack of authority in the managerial sector that is allowing um, whatever ideas they have to be imprinted on in our game. I think these players, you know, they've been playing at the top level for a long time and they've got into these habits. And we've got into this period where for about two or three years, we've played a lot of football that hasn't been good. And there's been a lot of times that we've, I see the players doing the same things time and time again, and training them out of it is going to be far more difficult than how they've fallen into it. And I'm honestly not, to be fully honest with you, I do not see Barcelona succeeding with Kike Setien. However, I don't think he should be sacked because we shouldn't be hiring a manager for what, six months? That's the problem. It's a very difficult topic. And I, one, one side, one side of my brain is telling me he should be sacked. The other is telling me that he should be given another season because he deserves the chance and he deserves to have a preseason at least to get more familiar with the team and how they play and how they react. Yeah, I think he, I think he does deserve the time. It's just, again, it could come down to the board not... It's so difficult because you need to give a manager time. It's silly to appoint a manager and fire them after after six months could it be a wrong appointment from the board perhaps but we need to give them the time and the tools and the backing to give them a fair chance however this brand of football will not do and this lack of authoritative uh management will also not do so it's like what do you do because i do not see barcelona being one of the most successful teams in the world under kike setian right now unless something drastically changes but as i said that was uh that was it for that game against napoli are there any other things you'd like to get off your chest about the game nico uh no just overall disappointed i'm honestly at a loss of words for setian's disaster class 
in his selection and in his tactics, especially for the second half of the match. I uh, just wanted to ask you, who do you think won? Uh, who are your top three contenders for man of the match? Oh, my goodness. Probably all Napoli players. <laughs> no, um, I think I think Messi get. Oh, do you know what? There's one other talking point I want to say, but I think f- from a Barcelona point of view, I think Messi would probably get in there, and uh, perhaps Semedo. Um, yeah. What What about you? I think I think Messi, De Jong, and Semedo and Langlet were by far the standout players for me. But out of all mm. the men, probably have to I'd pick Messi as the best. I have to say with De Jong, though, I don't think we're going to get the best out of Frankie De Jong unless we start playing at a, him at a single pivot. Definitely not. I can't understand this. It's, it's actually doing my head in. Everybody saw how amazing he was with Ajax. And don't get me wrong, they're two different teams, but he isn't that, he isn't that advanced for, he isn't that advanced uh, midfield player. Yeah, and it boggles my mind when we when we're literally out of CDMs, of natural CDMs in Vidal and <laughs> Busquets, Setien still manages to mess it up. How do you uh, still manage to mess it up? I don't get it. It's like, literally, I, I honestly feel like we could have every single midfield midfielder injured, apart from Frankie De Jong, and we'd still play two defenders in midfield <laughs> alongside Frankie, and Frankie would be playing the most advanced out of the three. Or, or, or Do you know honestly. what I mean? One thing I wanted to ask you about is Lionel Messi. Now, I have to be fully honest. It does annoy me at times when I see him not... I'd like to see him making a few more runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand completely. And listen, people... It's almost like uh, like you're going to be fired as a Barcelona fan if, if you say anything against Messi. <laughs> Honestly, but yeah, I, yeah, no, I have to be it honest. It does disappoint me sometimes when I see Messi just standing there um, as Napoli are holding the ball, and I just wish he would make more of an effort. But that can go... I That can be said for all of our forwards who are yeah. making minimal effort yeah. these days. Yeah, I think when with the ball, Messi's brilliant. I think not with the ball. I would like to see yeah. him get in some positions where he can receive it. And His you understand? His movement is quite disappointing. Yeah, I'm glad you see it the same way. I thought I was, yeah. may have been going crazy. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it's been something I've I've seen for quite a few time, uh, quite a long time, actually. When I was actually at the new Camp uh, this La Liga season, earlier this year, before the, uh, the, the stoppage of football, um, I watched Messi play two fairly poor games um and although he did score because it is that is messy uh he 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 there was a lot of uh yeah it didn't seem like he was interested for a lot of the game uh it was odd yeah yeah i completely agree i mean all players have their bad days and he just um messi just has some of them and just like everyone else it, he is no different than anybody else I know. And the flip side is that he is also where <laughs> everything happens for Barcelona. So it's like, it's yeah, you get some, you don't. And it's, he needs support. Listen, he needs support. If we want to yeah. build a team around Messi, let's actually yeah. build a team around Messi. Yeah. Let's, let's not just put players in, in, in my there. In opinion, the, the player these days, the players these days that most complement Messi and his play style is Ricky Puch and Ansu Fati. 
And yep. I genuinely believe that most Barca fans could do a better job in team selection than Kike yep. Setien. Absolutely. And have you noticed, every time Ricky Puig and Ansu Fati play, who is Messi looking for with the ball? Ali Suarez. And Ricky Puig and Ansu yeah. Fati. Yeah, but for me, whenever, whenever, whenever I see Messi playing with Suarez, they always look for each other. And, and yeah, it yeah, pisses yeah. me off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It really does. And I feel like Messi's overall um, power in the dressing room, so to say, really does impact how much game time Suarez gets. Yeah. I feel like the managers who aren't as respectable as some of the world's best uh, are are scared or yeah. frightened of of off-putting Messi and and they just put Suarez around him and it's always throughout the game whenever there's an attacking chance even if Messi's at the halfway line I feel like some yeah. sometimes they would always pass it back to Messi and it, it really it really grinds my gears yeah, I 100% agree. The Suarez and Messi friendship is brilliant, but what we are doing right now as a club is remembering the good times of when their link-up was fantastic of a few years ago, yeah. and we're, we're basically afraid to do anything else in case that will happen in a few instances. But the, fa the, matter, the fact of the matter is we are missing out so many... Do you know what? And this is actually... Th th when Griezmann first signed and the first few runner games that he had, he was making so many good runs yeah. that were not found yeah. because of that exact thing. Messi would look for Suarez and Suarez was, would look for Messi. And the other thing is all the players would rather give it to Messi in a tighter spot than give it to someone else in, in wide space. Completely. And that is an issue. The Messi dependency is absolutely crazy and it, it needs to be, it needs to be stopped. And we're, and the thing is the play, we're doing it to ourselves when we do this kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk forever about Barcelona, but this is just a match review and reaction from the Napoli game. Overall, very pleased that we managed to get the 3-1 victory, but also very scared that we are now to play Bayern. Um, I don't know what can be done in the short time. Do you know when it is we're playing Bayern? Uh, Friday. And I'll also like to say... Oh my that, God, what? Yeah. And no. I'd, I'd also like to say that I'm quite happy forgot to mention that I correctly predicted the score against Napoli. I'm not sure wh what you said, <laughs> but I do remember that I said 3-1, so I'm pretty Yeah, I, I said 3-1. Yeah, 3 -1. okay, well, I guess we're the I'm best. Joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, you know what? And and I swear, and everyone's going to think I'm lying, but as soon as that I came off that podcast, I thought, you know what? I actually think it's going to be 3-1. I swear, <laughs> I swear. You can all call me a liar. It's fine. I know the truth, but the matter of I honestly thought because of the rest that the players had, yeah. we're more likely to score, uh, you know, more goals than less. Um, and I think if it was 2-1, we have that tendency to score a, a goal out of nothing. And yeah, but listen, in the end, we managed to get the win. Uh, Nico, I want to thank you for coming on this episode of Barca Base. Uh, tell the people where they can find you if they do not know already. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Blaugrana TV. I post every day and I'm here to stay. He's here to stay and he posts every day. It's Nico Blaugrana TV. Check him out on Instagram, guys. Uh, you've got a, f a few a few more followers recently, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. You. <laughs> see, see, okay. Still not at 100, so let's, let's get day, him there. Day. But yeah, you'll get there. You get there. But thank you so much, as I said, no problem, for anytime. coming on the podcast. 
All the best to Barcelona now for the game against Bayern Munich. Let's just hope and pray that we can come out with another masterclass against them like we did, well, what feels like a long time ago. But let's let the players rest. Let's get them mentally in the right order. Kike Setien, please take a long, hard look at your lineups and your tactical decisions. And listen, I'll be back with another episode of Barca Base after the game against Bayern. But I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Nico at Blaugrana TV for coming on. And guys, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.